I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirit Chatter. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, my co-host, Hallie, is jumping in. And by the way, we did a podcast um, uh, in the afternoon. It's not not as good in the afternoon as I am in the morning mm-hmm. for doing podcasts. Yeah. Even when I, I'm on other people's show, for some reason, I seem to do them in the afternoon. You ever notice that I seem to do them in the yeah, afternoon? I, think I don't know, a lot, a lot of, of people do them in the afternoon. Well, I way. think a lot of people are West Coast and, and well, we or, need to get on the East Coast. And, and or you're doing international ones. So on the West Coast. The only though, time that works thing. is the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, the scheduling thing. But you know, I do wonder if we had, if we were used to the afternoons, we would just like it just did feel like off yesterday because we were just in such a rhythm of doing them on Wednesday morning. Well, I also think uh, we did that one in particular on Zoom, which yeah, is, which is and, different and too. And the audio was kind of hit or miss on it a little yeah. bit. So I think if we get the right equipment for that, it's it's part of it. But um, yeah, I think you do get into these rhythms too of, of finding it and kind of preparing yourself for it. I'm also just better if I teach all day and I'm sure people listening are in the same thing. Like when you get towards the end, the it's fun just to have conversations but to be kind of on and deliver what you want to in a podcast um takes more energy than it does in the morning and that's why honestly it was mm-hmm. part for, of for you because for that's me. like you're cr- probably a bit of your chronotype like, i think it's like 90 percent of people i think it's a lot of people but not everybody i think it's 90 90 percent is the what we disagreed to so i'm glad it's <laughs> there for that no but i also think um this kind of uh goes to our our topic of conversation today which is really how to think like a ceo right um which not means just doing podcasts in the morning apparently. yeah well no like thinking like a ceo <laughs> and like not even that you're the ceo of, of your of your company, right? You may be listening to this, but you're also the CEO of your life, which I think for, um, particularly for anybody, I think being the CEO is, is we'll get into the four kind of things that we think, you know, of how like tactics, you know, ground up leadership tips, um, to think like a CEO. But one of them is actually knowing, well, the first one kind of jumping right into it is creating energy. And I think creating energy can, like, it's not necessarily physical energy, which can be physical energy. It's just momentum, right? It's creating a more um, streamlined approach. It's actually elimination of things to create more energy that becomes focused. I think that's kind of what I was trying to struggle to say there was that, like, it's literally, when I think about creating energy for the organization, and regardless of what organization I'm leading in, in that moment, it's about narrowing the focus for people so that we can create energy that becomes harnessed energy into the organization, right? Can I, can I give you, like, let's talk about a real life example that sure. this just happened. Yes. Um, because I wonder from your perspective, and even I'm just thinking in my own leadership journey, how do you, you, how do you make sure that you're creating energy that's it feels good for you, but how do you also make sure it works for other people? So let's use an example. Um, you sent me an email this morning and you specifically did it because you wanted to create focus, more focus, clarity, and energy on around a particular project, right? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Well, in urgency. In urgency. And that probably felt amazing to you to send that email. You're like, yes, focusing Hallie, focusing the team. Well, mostly me, right? Can you agree to that? Yes. Okay. I get that email and it certainly created a lot of energy for me as well, but it was not positive energy. Yes. So talk to me about that. Well, I think, um, I think as a leader, you have to, uh, understand, uh, things that you're trying to get across. And for me, I knew that it would spark a, uh, 
uh, a sense of urgency for you to kind of move on what we need to do, even though that you're probably waiting on a few things for me and um, on those particular things. I just wanted more movement towards it. And so we kind of move it forward. I also think everybody's individually different. So I could have probably approached it a little bit differently with you, maybe just even had the conversation here, but I almost sent the email as more of like, let's talk about this. And I think a lot of leaders try to do that is at least I do this. Like I'll send myself emails or send other people emails. And it's not like we have to do this tomorrow, but it's more of like, let's make sure that this becomes a priority. Um, and, and cause a lot of times we do have a lot of ideas and a lot of things come in there. And if yeah. there isn't somebody to kind of regulate that off of, then we end up doing everything. You whiplash the company. So creating this focus, this energy for your organization is about streamlining things, saying no to a lot of stuff and keeping the focus on what the priorities are. Um, and so for me, sending that particular email about kind of re-engaging that focus, that urgency was there is let's have the conversations. Cause the minute you came in, you said, well, that's not reasonable. I go, okay. Like it wasn't, so yeah. it wasn't, it was more about, let's make sure we're having the conversation. It was in this thought. I needed to get it out there. And yes. And, and I probably could have it. interpreted it that way. I didn't interpret it that way. Yeah. You, you, you took it for hundred <laughs> percent. Like, Oh my God, this has got to be done in a period of time and it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and then you, then and it, there's then you just a lot of an, yeah, ambiguity and overthinking and I don't have the answers that I need to actually do what you want. And yes. you know, I'm making the, like all these things, but it didn't also make me think like, I probably do that to people too. And I'm mm. not aware of that, that very, like the type of energy. Yeah. You definitely created a ton of energy in me, but it was really not great for me personally, but it's still going to actually get the right. It's going to get the best. Res, it's going to get a great result. And that's probably more on me than needing to regulate that energy a bit better. But again, I'm just thinking, man, I, as a leader, I likely do that to other people. Like this is my priority. I want this, I have the sense of urgency and I want to imbue that and, and instill that into other people. And yet I might not be, I'm not saying that you did this. I'm just saying that I've done this before where I may not deliver it so well. And therefore I'm actually oh, no, I'm creating sure I, I, I do that some too. massively yes. like yes. anxious and yeah. overwhelming energy for others. Yeah. I think it felt great to me because I get it off my chest. Yeah. I, th I think it's also, um, I also wonder how many people wouldn't actually share what you shared. Like they just said, Oh, this great. And when you, I can share the fact that they've created anxiety around this or different pressure. And I think part of having an organization that's open is within the hour of me sending that email, you're able to have the conversation with me about it. Or you follow up with the conversation when you send an email saying, Hey, let's discuss this and let's just make sure there's probably some things you can say in the email that says, Hey, I'm just putting this on notice. Let's have a conversation about this. Ideally, this would be like the goal. Is this realistic or not? So there's probably some pre-qualifications in the email that you can send particularly, but for me, I was on my, I was on my bike and I paused for a second and I was like, I really want to get this thing done. Yeah. I mean, so, also I, I don't want to, it's also me, like whatever we'll fi we always figure it out. So I feel like you sh don't have to be as like careful. Yeah. With yeah. Me, yeah. You well, maybe I think you would need to with other people, but I think it's also just uh, as a template as, as people listening to this, I, um, that energy is that kind of key component and this can go, some people do this in emails. Some people do this just in, in a meetings mm -hmm. is that whiplash component of it's like, stop, go, stop, go this thing over here, this thing over there. Actually, um, uh, a really good mentor of mine, somebody that works closely with them said, Hey, you know, I get emails or thoughts about doing all these different things all the time and I ignore all of them unless they show up again and mm -hmm. then again, and then maybe we'll take some action towards them. And I, I thought that was just kind of interesting. This is a, you know, very well-known individual. So I was just, it was just really interesting to kind of hear that that happens at all levels. And I think people, at least for me, when I, when I, when I see things, it's almost like you got to get it out there and then see if it almost takes roots. 
Um, and I think this is part of being a really good leader is to when is to know when and who to send these different things to, or maybe you just need to journal about them, or maybe you just need to let that part go and see if it keeps showing back up. And if it does, then how do you have the conversations, but creating energy in an organization is I think one of the most important things that a CEO can do. This, by the way, you can extrapolate this conversation from being a CEO of your business, CEO of your life, and the CEO of your family. And I'm not saying you run your family. I'm just saying you can- I any, can see it as being a, being a leader. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just we're kind of using the term CEO, but yeah. the reality is, is just at some, certain times you're a janitor. I walked into the building and I see trash, I pick it up and I don't do it so I can mention this in the podcast or whatever it is. Like you just, you do it, right? And there's other times you've got to see- opportunities where you have to make key decisions and hires and fires and where the direction are saying no to different things. Like there are a day in, 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 in our construction company, like there's this great project. And I said, look, everyone wanted to do it. And I just said, we're distracted too many things. Like there's too many other projects. I understand this looks good to everybody. We just can't do it. And it was an unpopular decision, but then everyone understood why like, yeah, you're actually right. Like we need to, we need to go back. I said, we don't have the bandwidth to do what we're doing now. Right. Adding something else on there, even though you're going to kick the can th- three weeks shows up so fast a month shows up so fast and it's like, it seems so far away yet everyone's already maxed and doesn't have that capacity. So knowing the energy component comes to knowing what you're directing your team into, right? It's like, if you took a professional athlete and you said, okay, today we're going to, we're going to run. And then, you know, they're a professional baseball player and we're going to, today we're going to, we're going to run, we're going to play some golf and then we're going to go swim. Right. And then we're going to, and then we're going to go play some more golf and then we're going to come back and we're going to focus on polo or whatever the conversations are. You get the point. It's like, really professional people at what they're really good at is staying focused on key things. And I think that's as a leader, one of the most important things you do is to make sure you're not having distractions in your organization that pull people's energy away. Because in in my experience, people want to show up and and do really good work. They want to be productive. They want to contribute. And of course they want to be paid um, uh, they want to be paid for their work and valued for their work, not just in terms of money. That's like the value for their contribution that they're providing. I think people really want, want to know that they're contributing. And of course you are. And the more you actually get somebody enabled to feel contributed or feel valued is by keeping their energy focused on something so they can see it through. And I think as a, as whether you're a leader or CEO, or just you're running a project or you're excited to go out for a hike with your family, like you keep the energy flowing, right? I mean, if, if you have kids, you understand this, it's like, okay, we're going to go, you know, for a hike. And they're like, I don't want to go, right? There's all these different things. And it's like, no, come on, it's going to be fun. We're going to do this this way. We're going to want to get to the top. You're kind of painting the vision. And then when they get into it, they experience it and it's fun. And then you kind of coaching them through. So it's the same thing you do in your organization, right? It's just like, you're keeping the energy directed and focused and you're almost eliminating other things to show up in there. So you can create that that level of energy. And I think people can make a lot of mistakes with this is, is by having too many things on people's plates, not keeping it simple enough, mm-hmm. right? Particularly in real estate, we see this is there's, there's a lot of different ways to do a, a to do a deal, right? To uh, procure a buyer or seller uh, into a buying a property or selling a, a property in a lot of different ways. And there's people are always trying to find different ways to throw in there on their, on their staff or their agents. And it's actually the wrong approach to it because they don't really get good at anything. Instead of keeping it very simple on what they do and having a production playbook that allows them to focus purely on what it is they need to do or in construction or in brokerages or um, even founder and force multiplier of like how many times we're like, oh, we could do this. Well, we can't do that focus right now. We've got to focus on this. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I feel like it applies to, it, can, it applies in one Everything. way or another to every business. I mean, I think about social media, like it's like, do you be on every 15 social yes. media platforms yeah. or do you pick three that you can actually 
in, invest into and, and build that up or build an audience and then maybe move on yes. to the next. Cause otherwise you're, you are just diluting your focus. You only have so much time and energy to spend. And then when you're on, even on, then the question, even on social media goes, are you more of like, Hey, this is my personality on social media or is it more content driven? Right. So like you could have like, I, you could argue that personality is content. Yeah. I guess my, my point would be, is, is somebody like, I think of like somebody who is like an influencer, right. Who is mm-hmm. out there like showcasing their life, showcasing what they're doing. They're constantly on them. They may have 50 million people looking at their stuff. That's mm-hmm. great. Or you have somebody more like Ray Dalio who is using social media, but he's not talking about what he did throughout the day. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. He's creating content using social media to do it. So there's different ways to direct your energy on social media. I mean, Ray Dalio isn't posting different things. No, but, no, no. I, yeah. All I'm saying is that influencers are content creators. It's just a different type of content. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Where yeah. do you put your energy though? Sure. I didn't say they weren't content creators. Yeah. I'm just saying they create their content in a different way right. and they use the same distribution method to doing it. Right. Everyone just kind of does it differently yes. for what they are. And I think that's what part of understanding your organization is that when you create your own energy, what energy are you going to bring to the organization? How do you show up bringing the energy and make sure you stay in that zone? Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, I really enjoy, I like interact, I like actually teaching and coaching a lot to people. Uh, I think a lot of CEOs do in general. And I also, the other thing with me though, is I really like making very difficult decisions that nobody else wants to make. Like I enjoy sitting in, in the, the kind of the pain or the, the, the kind of, um, agony at times it can be, or the stress, if you will, it just doesn't bother me the same way. So I actually enjoy being the one that nobody else can do certain things. Um, or they don't want to necessarily make those different decisions for Mm -hmm. it. Um, for me. And I think, I think a lot of leaders have that. You, you, you've given this example. Responsible for making the decision. Cause I'm happy to make the decision. They don't, I would love to make a tough decision, but I don't want to be responsible necessarily for the result or the consequence. Well, isn't that the whole point of making a decision? Yeah. But I'm just saying I I can make the decision, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good way of saying is people, I'm sure people can make the decision. Yeah. They don't want the consequence or the potential consequence sure. that could happen That's from the different decisions. Yeah. yeah. For a lot of different people. And I think I, I, um, uh, I think a lot of people, well, you, you, you probably make more decisions than you're giving yourself credit for. Cause I m- remember I said this before and I think you said the same thing for you is that when I was growing up, I always wanted things to happen to me so that they wouldn't have to happen to other people. It was like, Oh, like, okay. If like, I'm going to get hurt between my brother and I, like I'll get hurt because I can handle it better than he can. Yeah, sure. And it's like yeah. that same type of, it's just, I always kind of go back to, cause it's been something in my life. It's like, Oh, well, something has, like, I used to think like, Oh man, if we have to go to war, Tommy's not going to make it. Why do you like, I actually have a lot of confidence in myself that way too. I'm like, there's an apocalypse. Like, you know what? I'm not like perfectly in shape, but for some reason I just am confident that yes. I would survive. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll survive as far as you can. Right. Like yeah. you just, you, you're ready to like, you're ready to charge the storm, right? Like your versus, yes. and I think it's, it's part of that is, is leaders, I believe charge the storm. And that's why regardless of what outlet that storm is like the bison, right. Is a, is a powerful example of this. And we were teaching this yesterday where a bison is one of the group of animals that is rare. When they, a storm comes, they don't actually retreat from it. They don't hide from it. They actually charge towards the storm to get through it faster. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's ultimately what high level leaders are doing is that they're charging the storms in any aspects of their life. It can be in business. It could be a personal conversation. It could be a tough conversation with your brother or your sister or your parents. It could be, you know, my mom's always kind of joked with my brother. She's like, you know, Adam gets to make the decision 
you know, if I am on like life support, whether or not to do this, she's like, because I just don't think you can make it, Tommy. And he hates that. And she's That's like, so funny. I'm the decision maker. Yeah, so all she's like, too. she's like, I know you probably could, but like, I know it'd be easier for Adam. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. well, what do you mean it's gonna be easier for me? She's I know, like, that's so funny. But I think that's part of it is, is it's not that there's not empathy or there's not compassion. Oh, yeah. It's just that you're willing to make the decision when, when things are there. And I, I think that that all drives towards energy though. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the energy is making the decision because now once the decision is made, people go like, if all of a sudden you say, we're going to go walk to the store, everyone now has energy walking to the store, right? You're going to, so you, when you're making decision, which kind of goes with, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of like teaching others, if you will, um, which is number. So number one, we kind of look at as like, as, as really thinking like a CEO, which is creating this energy. And mm-hmm. I think we've kind of tackled that too, but no jump into what I was going to say in a second. The second one is, is kind of teaching others, um, which is, what would you say about well, teaching others? I, I wouldn't say just teaching others. I think it's about teaching other people how to think, how to think, think critically, think, think strategically and think, especially in a work environment, thinking similar to you or whoever the leader is principles similar to the principles to the principles so that they understand the decision-making framework so that they too can start making some of those decisions and maybe you can start delegating some of that those decisions to other people in the organization and teaching them to ask powerful questions and teaching them to be curious and again teaching them to problem solve and just to think for themselves yes i think is just super important for a leader yeah authorship is ownership right and i think when you're when you're teaching other people to think what you're really doing is you're getting them to author their outcome or their decision, mm-hmm. which then they own it more, which is then they own the decision more and they put more energy towards it. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. why like, even like we do a thing called, that's called the Libyan liftoff, right? Which is every morning agents and agents and people in general get together every morning, sometimes at eight 30 and nine 15, depending on where they're at and their particular team. But what they do is they basically go through the model for that is three things. What are you grateful for? Right. Did you hit your commitments yesterday? And what are your commitments for today? And we've seen that agents and in general, people are seven times more effective at actually going after and getting what their commitments are if they publicly share them. And so I think that's, that's again, all you're doing there is you're directing energy. If you're saying it now, you're going to be, your razz is up, right? All of a sudden you start getting more locked in. You doesn't mean you're going to hit it every time, mm-hmm. but you're seven times more likely to go after and hit those different things. And I think by teaching people to think is by teaching them to direct their own energy and then having authorship, which is meaning coming up with their own answers by you asking a series of questions so they can come up with their answers and come up with the solutions. They go out there now own the outcome way more. It doesn't mean every time, but they're going to own it more than they are. If you coming down in acro, either micromanaging or telling them what to do. Now, look, there are times when you need to do that, mm-hmm. but the majority of the time, and that's, that's typically when somebody's either, they're really, they're really lost. They really need help. Like they're, they're searching for somebody. Just go tell me what to do. Right. Can, can we use another example? Cause I'm also just curious. Yeah. So let's just use the same email example that we talked about earlier. Cause I think it kind of applies to what you just said. Interestingly, in that email, you didn't actually give me a specific deadline. I know. So, yeah, I'm just, it's just occurring to me, like, is it because you didn't, you wanted me to come up with maybe a a plan of how we were going to tackle this and maybe give you a deadline or it was because, so therefore I would have ownership over getting it done (laughs) in a time frame that ultimately would work for both of us, but maybe I had more ownership over, or did you even give it that much thought and you just, you know what I mean? Well, no, I think, um. I knew that the email would piss you off and I don't mean in a bad way or a good way. I just knew yeah. that it would, it would, it would instantly go, it would create okay, energy. he's serious yeah. about this. Yeah. Um, and, but yet there was no deadline. 
I know you, yeah. you, but then you went into your own freak out mode, which yes. goes like, okay, he wants it done in like a day and you can't have a have a happen. And you start going, how am I supposed to do this? And I got this other book that I got to go on. I've got all these different things going on here and you got caught in your mind. Yes. Uh, and, and, and then from there, right. But it was, it was, that was not intended to happen. Yeah. It was more of just like, well, that's Hey, on me, but yeah, yeah, we just need to, we need to go attack this. And now I want, and you came in and you, the first thing you said, well, we can't do this. We're going to do this, this, this. And I said, yeah, let's do that. And you said, I said, great. And you're, you're, it's almost like you're, you were looking for a more complex answer. And even to before it. that, I'd already sent you an email outlining an entire yeah, plan on there how to go. get it done. There. Perfect. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. You just have to agree to what I want to do. <laughs> Well, then it's authorship. Yeah. Because now you've authored it to me. Yes. And now you're going to own it to all of our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, which is, well, again, that's just kind of like that when you're teaching others to think, like it's like. But I do think that's a good example of, yes, minus the, like the freak out part, but that's just, that's a little bit me and stuff I need to keep working on. Um, But you know, what's funny is that like that. You did teach me how to teach me how to think. And I was immediately into, okay, well. And, how am and, I going to get this done? And think about this too. Um, think about like seven years ago, if I sent the email, how long you would have freaked out for until now. And I wouldn't have even said, anything. said anything. Yeah. That's what I mean. So that's the real personal growth. Uh, and the funny, the interesting thing is that everyone, like some people would read that and like not cared. Right. But then there's yeah. other things that I share with you that you don't care about that would freak other people out. Sure. Yeah. And so like, it's just really understanding each individual, uh, that's why behavioral assessments and different things, just getting to know somebody like genuinely trying to understand somebody is, is you can figure out how they can author their own thing. Cause it's going to be a little bit different. And this is why, you know, we're, we're creating all these playbooks right now. And you, it's like, you see everyone, you know, these eight talented individuals that are some of the highest level thinkers trying to create these things. And they all want like, well, it's gotta be this, it's gotta be this. And it's like, what about this? And you can't create a playbook for all of those different examples because yeah. that's leadership. That's actually thinking like a CEO because and that becomes a principle. I always bring everyone back and go, that's not, look, sure. You could create one for everything, but nobody would ever read it. Cause it'd be 1100 pages long and you'd have to come back and look at it like a, like a dictionary to look up you every mean, single like word. They, they may want to create a different addendum for this. this yes. This or like, okay, what happens or... if this situation happens? What in this situation? I've had this happen before. And you're going, well, man, if you outline all of right. these, nobody's going to take, take the inherent teachings of how to teach people how to think that way. So they can be their own CEO in these, and when those with these playbooks. Come up, yes. They can handle them on their own. They can learn how to handle them. That's yeah. why principles or manifestos, right. Are real. I think I like just word principles are really too, yeah. good because they're a set of decision-making beliefs with this, this, you're authoring them to own their decisions. Right. And that's, I think part of being a leader, uh, is one of the key things is, is how to actually make decisions. Like when you are a leader, decisions are your product. I know we talk about that in the article, but like, it's, it's really when you're empowering other people to think, one of the things you're doing is you're empowering them to make decisions so they can author it, but you've got to give them the framework for which they make decisions in. And then there's always going to be gray in leadership. And this is why it's challenging because every situation is slightly different. Every situation involves somebody different. It's like, okay, somebody's not performing. Oh, fire them. Why? Well, hold on. Maybe what are they just in a different season? Is there something personal going on in their life? How long have they been with you? Right. What does underperforming mean? Have is, you, have you not set have clear you, expectations? That's what I mean. Like, have, so what have you not done to help them? And, and people listening to this is like, yeah, it's, it's always something to, of course that's leadership. 
there is a reason why people are in leadership and it's not because it's, it's, you get paid more or it's sexier or it's easier. People have this notion of it, right? But it's actually further from the truth. It just, it's just, it's, it's, there's the, it's just as hard on the tail side of a coin that is in the head side of a coin, right? It's just a different side of a coin. It's just different things that you end up having to deal with. And so authorship, when you're getting people, so part of treating, you know, thinking like a CEO is creating energy and, and getting people to author and own their outcomes and their decisions that they're making. So they don't have to come to you for all these different things. You're teaching people how to think. Yeah, I was going to say, so that actually brings us very nicely into the third one, yes. which is about empowering, taking their, that thinking and the, their ability to, to think like a CEO and then harnessing that into decision-making and specifically making sure you're delegating the decision-making because um, I do think that if you, if you don't do that, sometimes people don't know whether or not what decisions are actually theirs to own. So you need to let them know what yeah. decisions they can yes. own. Yeah. And it's kind of like, think of like bumper cars, right? Like they, they have a bumper line. They, they're going to make mistakes in there, but like people have to be able to do this. And it's look, this has been talked about for centuries, like, okay, letting people fail. But I think my comment on this is that a lot of leaders say they let people fail, but they really don't. Mm -hmm. They're really, they're either condescending when they fail. It's like there, there's like this, they may not say it, but there's this energy around them. That's like, see, you failed again. Like I told you, you shouldn't be doing this. And they're like, oh, but it's fine. But they don't really, they don't believe it right? There's just like this energy that's around them. That's like, yeah, you say that, yeah, but oh, it's okay. But it's really, okay. Or yeah. it's like, oh no, no, they're up on stage or they're talking to somebody in their interview or on a podcast. Right. And they're like, oh no, are people fail? And you actually talk to people. They're in the organization. They're like, that doesn't even happen. That does not happen. And, and yeah. it's like a, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just being aware. I think a lot of people aren't even aware that they're doing it. It's why we bring it up here is that, you know, when you say you're allowing people to fail or like you're allowing your kids to fail or whatever it is in every situation, or you're allowing yourself to fail, are you even say it for you? Or are you taking yourself so seriously to the point where you're not even allowing yourself to fail? And so you've set a new bar within you that you see in everybody else. I feel like I'm just thinking about this. It feels like it's such a fine line though, between being understanding about mistakes or failures. I'm just thinking from my own experience in leadership and there's such a fine line between that and really being, uh, what was I going to say? There's a fine line between being understanding because people are humans and we're not robots and I can't just program someone to do exactly what I want them to do. And then also having such high standards and expectations that I do expect them to do exactly what I want them to do. Comes from clarity. So what do you do? Well, I, th I think you, you, first of all, you find people that have very similar expectations for you in your life in terms of those type of things, right? You just do. And then you also understand that um, depending on what your level of expectations are is somebody may not always meet your expectations in the same way that you expect them to be met, but the outcome is still, or the result is still the same. It just may look a little yeah. bit differently. I, I'm okay in the with, path that. with that. Yeah. Well, I think it also really comes down to is are, if people are failing, are they failing at the same thing multiple times yeah. or is it just different? failures because feeling like the same thing kind of at some point becomes unacceptable just oh, in the of industry, course, yeah. right? But, um, are they, yeah. And, and here's the other thing is just, look, Tom Brady probably has less failures than his linemen, right. Or whatever it is, like there's going to be like, he may have a different, he probably has a higher expectation for his body work, his, what he eats, all those different things. Right. And uh, the rest of the team around him, has a very high standard because of the NFL, but maybe not to the highest degree he does. 
And so that's also why he's valued more in terms of, in terms of professional football, not as a human being, but so in the sport that you're playing, and if your sport is business, then you try to surround yourself with the highest level people that you can, but understand at some point, if you keep raising your own standards to different things, like I'm not sure everyone had the same standards as Steve Jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if he was ever to that point. The number one thing that I would tell you or anybody is that you want to make sure that you're not suffering because of that. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are, and so are you interacting with it from a place of clarity or are you getting pissed off and suffering? Cause that's what suffering is. Suffering isn't like somebody broke your arm. Suffering isn't like somebody stepping on you or in a chokehold. That's physical suffering. I'm talking emotionally suffering over something that you're imposing on yourself. And I think a lot of people are end up suffering themselves because they're, they, they get frustrated that somebody's not there. It doesn't mean you can't feel frustrated, then let it go. And then look at it clearly and saying, okay, you know, is it that my, that they're just not going to hit my expectations or is it that I need to replace somebody? Um, or is it that I need to be more, um, clear on what the actual outcome needs to be so that we're actually hitting that. And then at the end of the day, people are just not going to be as good at other people as certain things they do. Right. Well, as you're talking, it's just making me the part that kind of came together for me is that it, it's why it's so important to bring people into the organization that have that, those similar work ethic is I guess yeah. the best way to say it. And like the, they also hold themselves to a high standard and are super committed to and dedicated to their work because um, for me personally, that's where I often have the, fr- it's not because they made a mistake and you know, yeah. I just need to teach them how to do something different. I could, I could do that all day long. It's that, it's that commitment and like yeah. level of in- dedication that yes. is hard to I think, always find. I think that the only comment I'm going to make on this is that I don't think we should reward people uh, in the world more because they have a hard, longer work ethic. Work ethic doesn't mean time. I know. I'm just, I'm any of those things that you're saying, I, I still think, and this is, well, then my whole career was based on nothing. Well, is that what you're saying? No, not at all. I'm, what I'm saying is that that's because that's your nature. Like you, you generally have, you like to be very, very productive. You like to be involved in those things, but that's you. Right. Yeah. And it, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm just saying like, and, and, and yeah, but I guess I just on, on the other side, like you probably wouldn't want to work some with anybody who didn't have that same level of work ethic. I know. Oh yeah. And so I don't want to either. Yeah. I'm, what I'm just saying is to be very careful that as a society, we're not valuing like today, this morning, I had a wonderful conversation with a bus driver and you know what? Their work ethic is not mine. And it's not going to be, they're a wonderful human being. And I just stopped and thought, and like, we've undervalued these simple roles in our lives and just in general and communities. And they play such an important role. Like my kids love riding the bus now because the bus driver is so awesome. Yet we undervalue that, um, without even recognizing it. I guess it just depends on what you are considering work ethic. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm just, I'm I'm not saying any specific to your role or anybody else that's in in an organization. I'm just saying in general, as a society, we wake up and say, if you're not this, then you're- Well, how do we know that he's not just as committed to his, his, his job as I am to mine? Well, they are, but they don't have your work ethic because they take summers off. They- but I just, yeah. I just know, like, I just, yeah. I just listened to what they did in the summer and they had a completely different experience than, than yeah, what, you or I did. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying is like, you're valuing work ethic, not necessarily in terms of time, but just how dedicated they are during these things. And we generally would value somebody as a CEO more than we would as a bus driver. Is you agree with that statement? 
you don't want to, but you're going to our society. Sure. Yes, I'm not yes. saying individual. All I'm pointing out here is just, just cause I think, I just think it's important to note that we, we undervalue some of the most important people, even police officers or law enforcement. But I would say they have some of the best work ethic I've ever. Well, totally. I'm just saying as this, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just taking different sides of all these different components. So it's not one. I think we other. maybe are confusing work ethic with like more statusy jobs. Well, I still think there's this work ethic that says, hey, I, I expect you to come in here and work a certain number of hours to be able to do a certain type of things. And your dedication to your job needs to be higher. Some people just aren't as dedicated. You know, I was talking to my, um, my aunt Jeannie, who is really interesting. She moved off the grid 20 years ago. Uh, they were both, she was a physical therapist and her husband was an engineer. They made really good money. They saved up, they moved off the grid and they lived in a yurt for the last 25 years of their life. And they lived in Washington. They moved to Maine. I saw them at a family reunion a couple weeks ago. And I said, Hey, what, what caused you to just get up and move off the grid. And they're like, well, you know, they had their, they wanted a certain lifestyle and they didn't mm-hmm. want to, you know, work the man. That's kind of like their language, right? I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but like they didn't want to do that. Um, but the interesting thing about, about all of that is that they, um, while they were really happy with their decision, um, they still suffer at some level. Like actually her husband recently came out and, and said that he was struggling with this move that they made and kind of into this area that they're in and it didn't work out exactly the way he wanted to. And now they're having to work again and do a few different things. And so, um, we just had a good conversation about just kind of letting all that go and, and, and you made the decision, but I think every, I think in general, um, I just see that there's a sense that we've, we overvalue people, um, based on their monetary value that they come in and we give it to them versus. Sure. Um, and I, all I'm yeah. saying is we're taking a complete off. That tangent, is not, like, has nothing to do with work ethic in my opinion. Yeah. Monetary. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just compensation is not work ethic. Yeah. I just, my whole, my whole comment on that is, is I just think when in general, like there's I, a, yeah, yes, sorry, there's, I, I just want to work with people who have the similar work yes, ethic to me, exactly. but I highly, highly value all workers yes. in, you know, in the world. That's how, the, that's how our economy yes. runs yes. is by all sorts of different people. Yeah. I just even, I just, let's just use me as an example. It's not anybody else. Like people respect me more for what I've done or the money that I have. And I'm not sure that's right. Right. I just, well, do you feel that way? Oh yeah. I mean, people tell me, yes, they give me things. Like I have priorities and different stuff. Like I get people, people move when I ask, like it's just different. And it's it, just even moving to an area. I, I had things that were opened up to me that most people wouldn't. Yeah. Just because of who I was. And I'm on, look, I'm not, there's some value I'm to that. And there's it. also yeah. some, but you know, yeah, I, I, I just, this is just only my own self therapy because I've been thinking about it. It's like, like, is that right for me to be able to have that? It's just interesting. Right. Um, and, 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 and then Sarah would say, my wife would say like, well, you're doing it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but the options there and it was presented to me. I didn't even look for it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of funny, right? It's just, this is, is different. And it just kind of made me think about these things as we're thinking about kind Super of, interesting. yeah, just in general. So I just use me as that example, just something that I think we can all like, how do you, um, how do you, how do you think like a CEO to lift up other people? Like, how do you make them feel? We had this conversation on, on one of our leadership calls recently is how do, how do you make everyone you feel in your organization feel like they're contributing something at the highest level, even if it's very, if it's a very small number, um, to the organization, how do you make everybody feel like they're contributing to it? Because everyone wants to feel like they're contributing it somehow. Right. So I think part of being, so part of being a CEO is creating that energy, getting people to think 
um, and all and authorship their ownership, right? Authorship is ownership. You even think that way, and then cultivating this ability for them to take and make these decisions, yes. and then making sure that they're feeling that they're contributing to these decisions that they're doing, and as they're contributing towards it, I think it's a very valuable thing because if people feel like they're contributing to it, they're way more connected to their organization if they feel like they're being valued and contributed. Um, and I, I don't think I've done a, a good enough job of making sure everybody in the organization feels like they're contributing in all the different ways that they need to. Um, so that was kind of my tangent there is like, as, as I think as myself, as a CEO of organizations, I can do a better job at making sure that everyone feels like they're contributing. And that's kind of what you sparked it for me, not the actual content, but you sparked the conversation in terms of by saying, you know, what's everyone's standards and expectations, because you do have an incredible work ethic and dedication and loyalty that most people are never going to have. Right. It's just, it's very rare to find that, um, the level that you have. Um, and I think I, I do, I think I do a pretty good job of making sure I recognize that with you. I don't do that necessarily with everybody else. that isn't the same level as you in terms of education yet to them, that may be the same level that may feel the same way to you as that dedication. So in my thought pattern there is like trying to get people to understand that at every level in your organization, you need to make sure people feel like they're contributed. And I think that's part of being a CEO, because when you do that, when people feel like they're contributing, they author that they have more energy, they mm-hmm. have better decisions for those type of but things. They're better. They're more engaged. Their yes. retention rate goes yes. up and yes. all good yeah. things for the company and for them personally. Too. Yes. Yeah. Because there's always this weird thing when you're running a company, like sure, you've got your core leaders team that you constantly pour into, but like you need everybody else. Like I think about like a school district needs the bus drivers. They need the principal who works probably more hours than a school teacher, right? So it's like, it's yeah. all these different roles that are there. Think about when there's like, like the bus driver strike or yes, something I know. like that. Like, and, and I'm just using yeah. schools as an example. Yeah. This could be in hospitals, could be yeah, in, you, in military and police. Role. This could be CEOs, could be nonprofits. It can be anything. I'm just using that as an example of kind of my thinking patterns around you know, as you think like a CEO, you globally just, just be aware of blind spots that you have as a leader to that. You're not necessarily recognizing, um, the contributions. And like one of the things that we actually have in writing and with Olivian is like recognizing meaningful contributions from everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was, uh, that was something that we put in there and it's like, that's meaningful to them because sometimes we're so quick as, as higher level leaders to almost be like, Oh, that's just, we just kind of expect it, which there is, right? There's an expectation you're paying somebody. There's an expectation of, ex- of goods and services that they're providing for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There is that. But can't you go one step further and feel and make sure people is look, you know, you don't have to go give them any more money, right? I'm not talking yeah. about monetary. I'm just saying the recognizing that contribution as a leader. When yeah. you think like a CEO, I think a lot of our CEOs have lost touch, um, with that, uh, or have blind spots to the fact that they think that they're doing it to their key people. And all I'm saying is keep, you know, keep doing it to your key people and making sure they're doing it to their key people, making sure that meaningful wins, you know, on, on one of our leadership calls, I don't think you were on it, but I got a two videos prior to that. We were discussing it and they were saying, Hey, we see a lot of people when they're bringing people in the organization, they're almost dismissing this lower level individual coming in there and they're back channeling that. So I'm going, okay, our organization is getting pretty big. W- where's my blind spot on this? Like, how am I not bringing this mm-hmm. up enough yeah, we to talked make sure that yesterday? Yeah. To call, make sure yeah. that people are not, are not not taking that for for advantage when somebody that may be not at the same level, you know, um, in business as somebody else, but man, they spent their life doing that. And like, they just mm-hmm. wake up like, Oh, so it's just kind of meaningless. This isn't, or they didn't, or we forget. And this is a bigger issue that I have sometimes that, um, I might forget that like those people who are at a different level have been doing it for 
20 years and we may in like somebody who is doing pretty well, they might only be doing it for two years and we're trying to compare yeah. the fact that, well, they're only like two or three years into their career or exactly into their right. business. Yes. And we're like, Oh, but you could be doing so much more. Yeah. In yeah. 20 years, yes, exactly you know, right. maybe, but yes. you know, we'll of course help them cut that down significantly. Yes. But still, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. different. And I think about that even in my own career and I'm comparing myself to somebody who may often, oftentimes I'm comparing myself to people who are, have been in the in, in industry for 20, yeah. 30, 40, 50, you know, 50 yeah. years. And it just, yeah. Yeah. Or, and then, and you know, as, as from a monetary standpoint, people compare themselves to like Warren Buffett, who's got all this money, but the reality is, is he's still doing the exact same thing he did today, just maybe not as intense as he was doing when he was in forties and his thirties. He actually hasn't changed it. Mm. And by the way, he made the majority of his wealth. I think it's like 99% of it after like 59 or 55 yeah, definitely years after 55, old yeah. to be able to do it up until there. And that kind of is- I think about that too. Sorry, this is another tangent, but there's this, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners may have heard of this other podcaster, Kathy Heller. She, I just saw, she's been doing her podcast for, and of course created like this whole community and whatever, whatever. Um, she started her podcast with like a 10 day old baby when she was 37. And yeah. I also think of some of the real housewives like Bethany Frankel, who was on the real housewives when she was 37 set selling like her goods and like whole foods. And now she has these, this massively built brand and I am 37 yes. and these are people are just like barely starting yeah. these things and they're both wildly successful now. Yeah. Or even Colonel Sanders, right? Let's go back to KFC. I don't know. It's still I feel like my out. two examples were a little bit more relevant. But. <laughs> they were, but I mean, what was that guy like 64 and he got his first, know, he got his first yeah. retirement check yeah, and he's like, amazing. I can't live off this. And so he went and started selling his, and it was like a thousand and ninety nine no's or I don't know what the exact yeah, number is, but it was a lot. And finally he got one yes and then KFC was born. It's yeah. just, but it's just business it's, in general. Like you're only, look, you can make a decision anytime you want in your life to do anything whether in any category of your life. Right. Yeah. So I think it's just part of this. So just kind of recapping yeah. and kind of tying it back <laughs> yeah. in here of really framing you to think like a CEO, think like a leader in all aspects of your life. Right. Which is, do you have energy? Like in your family, are you creating positive energy? Right. Is that energy there? Right. I gave you this prime example of this and we'll, we'll move on because I know we're getting there. But like um, yesterday I was playing lacrosse with my son and my daughter came out and she wanted to play soccer. So I was playing with her and she went in the goal and like Asher was practicing his move on me and he shot the cross ball and didn't realize she was in the net, hit her in the elbow. And you know, of course that hurt a lot and different yeah. things. And my first reaction was like, I wanted to be pissed at Asher for like him doing, but it was a total accident. Right. And so as I'm walking in there, he's feeling like, he's like, it was an accident. You know, of course he's crying, she's crying, all this stuff. And I'm going, I need to make sure my energy is not directed towards him for wanting to wanting to blame him for this. I'm out there as the parent. I knew she was in the net. I knew I was right. working on this thing. So right. if anybody, this comes down to me yeah. and as every part of me wanted to be like, see, Asher, you can't do this. Right. And I started to say that. And literally I paused and I said, you know what? I said, it was, it was an accident. It hurts. I get it. I shouldn't have really done this. And it was like, and it didn't, they kind of didn't like go, Oh, thanks dad. Right. But they were instantly like, you could feel the energy in the room shift. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was just, and it was, but it took everything I had to not want to engage in that lower part of me to be like, are you kidding me? Like, cause I could have had all right to do that. Right. Cause he shot it in different things. And then we yeah. did talk about, Hey, sure. I should have been looking there, but also in the future, before you shoot that, you know, that she was there. You should make sure you have eye contact and we can, of course, just be things you can learn. That's what I mean by creating energy in your yeah, family, right, right, in your, sure. in your business, in terms of keeping people directed in the things they're doing in your personal relationships. Um, and then obviously teaching others how to think, right? That's a really big one. Authorship is ownership. 
getting people to make their own decisions and owning those decisions. Um, and as they start to do, everybody in your organization starts to think like a CEO. So you have a same set of principles that people are, um, are living and making decisions off of and keeping people focused. And that's a whole organization creates momentum and, and is able to push through and, and as an organization tackle a storm, right? So everybody's running towards that storm. If you kind of, if you kind of bring that uh, analogy into play as you create that momentum and all the things we just talked about. If you do, you're able to tackle the storm head on. Thanks for hanging with us today. For those of you who recognize the power of a strategic partnership, you can get a short, impactful, and timely email from us every Thursday. That'll be your guide for how to achieve more together. The inner circles for founders, leaders, entrepreneurs, and their chiefs of staff, executive assistants, and right-hand partners who want to learn how to cast a vision, navigate change, lead together, build impactful businesses, and just get shit done. If you're interested, go to founderinforcemultiplier.com forward slash inner circle to sign up.